How many are glad you're washed in the blood of the Lamb? Okay, four of you. Four of you are glad you're washed in the... Let's try that again. How many believe and are glad you're washed in the blood of the Lamb? Makes all the difference, amen? God is good. Thank you for that. We're still in our Joshua series. Today we're going to be talking about one of our famous... uh, Flannel graph stories that many of us remember from Sunday school. Anybody remember the flannel graph days in Sunday school? Anybody remember the Battle of Jericho on your flannel graph? I do. That was pretty awesome, especially when the walls fell. You just got to rip them walls right off the flannel. It was amazing. But if you remember our message series, we're at a place where the children of Israel are about to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. If you remember from week one, um, Moses had been leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. For 40 years, they'd been wandering in the wilderness. Moses, their fearless leader, dies. And God assigns Joshua to pick it up, to take over to lead them into the promised land. Well, God doesn't just assign Joshua and said, go for it. He gives him some words of encouragement before they even cross the river. Listen to what God says to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. He said, be strong and courageous. And remember, this is coming from Almighty God. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to their ancestors to give them. And then Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Did you hear those words? The Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God gives him some mighty words of encouragement. But in order to get to the promised land, guess what? If you were here the first couple weeks, they're going to have to fight some battles when they cross that Jordan River. They're going to have to fight 31 battles, and the first battle they're going to have to fight is a battle against Jericho, this massive, fortified city. Uh, Pretty tough one to start with, amen? But I want you to picture this. Just try to imagine this in your mind. This city of Jericho is surrounded by these massive walls. Massive. Scholars believe there was an outer wall and an inner wall. There were two walls. The outer wall, scholars believe, could have been 8 to 10 stories in height. They were so wide that they could run chariots on the tops of of these walls. Um, The soldiers could stand on top of that wall and see for miles. I mean, this was a fortified city that looked undefeatable, totally impossible to to defeat. The only way the Israelites were going to defeat Jericho was by a miracle, by a miracle and nothing else. It was considered invincible. Jericho's walls were considered the symbol of its military power, might, and strength. And this is the first assignment that God gives to his people. How would you like to start there? Well, let me tell you, with that said... Thinking about this, I know there are people sitting in these seats today that you feel like in your own personal life, you have your own battle of Jericho going on. You have something going on in your life that seems impossible. You have some walls in your life that seem invincible. Maybe your Jericho is some bad habit you can't break. Maybe your Jericho is some sickness, some affliction, some health issue you've been struggling with for a long time. Maybe your Jericho is some relationship that no matter what you do, you just can't fix. I know in my own life, each time God calls me to step up to a higher level in Him, I don't know why, but out of the blue, there seems to be these walls hit. Seems to be a battle of Jericho that hits in my life. 
I look back and it could have been finances, could have been resources, relationships, could have been uh, health issues in my life. It could be uh, anything that kept me from getting where I wanted to be, but more than that, where God wanted me to be. And I had to make a choice. When you get in those situations, you and I both have to make a choice. Do I press forward? Do you press forward? And do we trust God to get us through? Or do we step back and try to take matters into our own hands and do our own thing? And usually if you're like me, you don't go forward, you go backwards. You take three steps backwards. But before I get into the battle plan, I just want to pick out some things in this text that I believe God is trying to show us. Before we conquer any battles in our life, I think we ought to look at what Joshua went through, see what God was telling Joshua, and maybe we could learn a thing or two so when we face the battles of Jericho in our lives, we already have heard what Joshua did. And believe in me, in the end, it does work. Look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said... This is important. Who said? At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeoth Haraloth. Apparently, all those 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the children of Israel kept having children. They kept populating, and the little boys were supposed to have been circumcised, but they weren't circumcised. And if you don't know what this circumcision was all about and what it was symbolic for, God had commanded them to circumcise their young boys. God had commanded them to circumcise them. Actually, he had made an original covenant with Abraham, and it was all significant and symbolic of cutting off the old life and beginning with the new. Circumcision is actually the powerful act of a consecration before God. It's consecrating yourself before God. When the Israelites circumcised their little boys, they were saying, we're not like all the other nations. We listen to God and we do what God tells us to do. It was stepping out in faithful obedience. It was stepping out and recognizing and declaring that they were children of the Most High God. It was renouncing the flesh and the world. It was actually dying to self and living to God. In other words, if you think about how this is all set up, before they crossed that river of Jordan into the Promised Land, the whole nation of Israel consecrated themselves to God. That's important. Verse 8, And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they re remained there where they were in camp until they were healed. I just say, I bet they stayed there until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Basically, he's saying, I've rolled away the bondage of your past. That's some awesome news for these people that have been bondage for 400 years and wandering in a wilderness for 40 years. That was some awesome news. But just think of what they're going through right now. Obviously this, obviously, this would have been a suicidal mission from a military standpoint. And as a guy, I'm just thinking, ouch. Amen? I'm just thinking, ouch. All these men of fighting age were made completely vulnerable, completely weakened, by this circumcision, unable to fight for several days until they healed up. So not only, get this picture, not only did Israel cross the Jordan River in our minds at probably the worst place possible, right across from this massive fortified city of Jericho, they had incapacitated their entire army. Incapacitated their entire army with this circumcision. I'm just saying at a time when they needed all the strength that they could get, guess what, the fighting men. The soldiers were weakened and subjected to the pain of circumcision, especially the pain that comes from being circumcised late in life. I don't even want to think about that. But the big thing that stands out to me, it didn't make any sense at all. 
It didn't make any sense to their natural mind, but they did it anyway. And you know why? Because God said to do it. They trusted God's wisdom over their own wisdom. They trusted God's directions over their own direction. Didn't make any sense. I'm sure it hurt. But they went ahead and did it because they trusted in God. Sometimes when you think you're in the middle of grave danger and you think God's a million miles away and you're completely out of the center of of the will of God, guess what? You might be. You might be exactly in the center of the will of God. You might be exactly in the presence of God. How how many remember that movie, Field of Dreams? Anybody remember that one? Remember Kevin Costner's famous line, if you build it, they will come? If you will build it, they will come. As followers of Christ, we ought to be saying, if we worship the Father, He will come. Because that's the truth. If you take time to worship the Father, He'll show up on your scene, whatever it is, whatever battle you're fighting. So I'm going to give you several thoughts if you're taking notes today from this text. When you face your walls in your life, the first one is, when you face your walls in your life, you have to know that Jesus is always near. In this story, this next verse is going to uh, confirm that. Verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, remember this is one of the toughest battles they're going to fight, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? I love how King James puts it. Are you with us or against us? Are you for us or against us? Joshua approaches this mysterious man that has a sword in his hand. He's the shepherd over the flock or the people of Israel. So he feels it's his duty, his responsibility to find out, are you friend or foe? Look at verse 14. This guy, mysterious guy, responds, neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Believe it or not, this is God himself pulling rank on Joshua. God himself pulling rank on Joshua, who himself was a great military leader. But he wasn't the commander-in-chief like this guy was commander-in-chief. And I say all that to say you may not realize it, but this guy, scholars believe, was Jesus Christ manifested in the flesh in the Old Testament. You might say, well, he hadn't, doesn't even show up till the New Testament. No, he was there all the time. He has shown up over and over in different stories in the Old Testament. Uh, remember when he showed up to Abraham? He did. Remember when he showed up as the fourth man in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? He was there. What I'm saying is when God shows up on the scene, he doesn't show up to take sides. He shows up to take over. Amen? He shows up to take control of whatever situation's going on. And he uses us to fulfill his purposes. So in order to deal with our own struggles, and we all have them, we have to consecrate ourselves to God. That's where we start. Consecrate ourselves over to God, turn things over to God, release them, surrender to Him, and get your hearts right. It's all about a heart issue when it comes to God. Anything that's contrary to His Spirit needs to go. Anything that's against, uh, uh, opposite of His Word needs to go. I believe God is telling us we have to completely submit to Him, to God and His heavenly kingdom. Because the truth is, no matter who you are, no matter how smart you are, how strong you are, even how spiritual you are today, you're going to fight battles in this life. There are going to be struggles in this life in one form or another. Some of you are struggling with relational struggles. Maybe it's parental struggles. Maybe it's health struggles, marital struggles. Maybe it's career struggles. But whatever it is, and the list could go on and on, you've got struggles. I've got struggles in our life. But from what I've said so far, you ought to realize that even though you have struggles, God's going to be with you through those struggles. Jesus is right there through your struggle. Look at the second part of verse 14. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? 
So we know this is Jesus Christ. We know this is Jesus because Joshua is on his face worshiping him. And I'll just say this, worshiping is inconsistent with angels. Some people say, no, that was an angel. No, you can tell in Revelations 22, verse 8, it talks about how angels are not to be worshipped. They didn't even want to receive worship. So we know this is Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy, and Joshua did so. Sound familiar? Ever heard that phrase before? It's the same phrase that Moses heard on the mountaintop coming out of that burning bush. And Joshua knew all about that. Joshua was there when all of that took place, not up on the mountain with him, but Joshua was nearby and heard the story. So Joshua sees this as a confirmation that this man that's standing before him was actually the voice that spoke out of the burning bush. To me, that's pretty amazing. But this time he shows up in the flesh. Which brings me to my second point about facing your walls. If you're facing a wall, the best way to start it uh, is to start with worship. What did Joshua do? He took off his sandals and he worshipped. Joshua, Joshua's total submission to Jesus Christ shows that he, was, he knew who was in charge. He knew who was in control. I believe it's also a virtual guarantee that the armies of Israel were going to win this battle. You know, whenever you follow the commander of the army of the Lord, how can we lose? Think about that. How can you lose? I heard an old minister one time give a little quote, and it's small, but it's powerful. Listen to this. He said, on your face before God on your feet before men. On your face before God, on your feet before men. The only way you're going to be able to stand to be the man or woman of God that God has called you to be on your feet before men is spending some time on your face before God before that happens. Amen? You want to have power in your life, you've got to spend some time on your face before God because this was an act of submission to God where the captain of our faith stepped in to fight our battles. And guess what our part was? According to the Scripture, all we have to do is submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt us in due time. We just submit to Him. He does the rest of the fighting. Think about this holy ground statement. You realize any time that you do the will of God or the work of God, you're standing on holy ground? You realize that? And realize this, God blesses likeness to His Son. He doesn't bless great talents. There's a lot of talented people out there. But he doesn't bless great talents. He blesses great likeness to his son, Jesus Christ. So when you start acting and listening to Jesus Christ, he's going to bless it. And everywhere you go is considered holy ground when you're doing the work and the will of God. Joshua knew that it wasn't the size of his army that was going to win this battle. It was the size of his God. Did you get that? He knew it wasn't the size of his army, and they had a big army, that was going to defeat Jericho. It was the size of his God. He knew it was going to be the prince the commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ, that was going to win this battle. So the next time you get discouraged and down, and I've had people come to me and say, I don't know what to do, and I've given them some advice that they don't expect, it's like, hey, praise your way out. How about praising your way out? I'm not against getting counselors involved in medical help if you need it, but how about if you get into a battle, how about starting with praise? The Bible said God inhabits the praises of His people. What does that tell you? Whenever you start praising Him, here comes God. He'll inhabit it. He'll dwell in your praises if you give Him praise. When you start praising and worshiping God, He steps on the scene to take control, to take charge. Praise your way out the next time. Give it a try at least. Instead of complaining, start praising. It makes all the difference because when you start praising God, you connect with God. You connect with God. You connect actually with the powers of heaven. 
Unlimited resources. Brings me to my third point if you're taking notes. We fight from victory, not for victory. We fight from a position of victory, not from a position for victory. Paul reminds us in Romans 8.31, If God be for us, and I might just interject, if we be for God, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? The answer is nothing and no one. Absolutely nada when we put him first. He even goes on to explain to Joshua in Joshua chapter 6, verses 2 and 3, he gives him a promise and a plan, how to defeat Jericho. Look at verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. So this is God making a promise. God's actually telling the armies of Israel and Joshua, you've already won the battle before you even fight it, but this is what you've got to do. Then he lays out this bizarre plan. Listen to his plan. Verse 3, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. Now, if you're Joshua, put yourself in his shoes or his sandals, okay? Put yourself in his shoes. God gives you this battle plan, and you're probably doing a double take with God saying, Say what? I didn't read that in my military manual. I didn't learn that in military uh, school. Get a little parade together, march around the city, uh, blow your horns and shout, and the walls fall, the battle's over. Sounds a little ridiculous, right? Especially when you're going up against one of the most powerful armies in that part of the land. I'll say this, the method and the plan that God was laying out for his people made absolutely no sense at all, especially on military terms. Why did God do it? I believe he did it to let his people know the only way you're going to be winning this battle is a total dependence upon me. The only way you're going to win it is, to win it is total dependence upon God. You can read this on your own uh, time, but for uh, sake of time, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Joshua tells the priest what to do, but you may not realize that he only gave them instructions for one day at a time. Just one day at a time. He didn't lay out the whole plan, just one day at a time. And at the end of their assignment for each day after they had circled the city, they went back to their camp, and it seemed like, well, nothing happened. They were obeying Joshua, who was supposed to be obeying God, but the walls were still standing. No one had surrendered. The Israelite armies didn't feel like they were any closer to victory than they were the day before. But it doesn't end there. It was the same way on the second day, the third day, the fourth day. The fifth day, the sixth day, even the sixth trip around the city on the seventh day, nothing had happened. It was all still the same. Nothing had changed. Jericho's wall still stood intact. Its ramparts were still full of soldiers brandishing their weapons. And it seemed like nothing was working. Anybody ever have those days and it seems like even when you're trying to do everything right, still nothing is working? We've all been there. In my study, I found out when it comes to these ram's horn trumpets, I found out that they were usually used in celebrations. So the priests weren't really blowing their horns to declare war. There was no war. They were declaring a celebration of what God was about to do to take down these walls of Jericho. They may not have even known that, but God knew it, and he put it into his plan. They were celebrating the walls coming down before they even came down. 
I only said that we need to remember this when we face the walls and the obstacles in our lives, that we don't fight for victory. We fight from a position of victory because God's on the throne. God's already won the battle no matter how big it is. We should be fighting not as victims, but as victors when we're fighting in God's strength. Amen? Because God has won the battle even before we fight it. You need to put yourself, I need to put myself in the shoes of the people of Israel. Because they were his people, we are his people. The same promises that applied to him apply to us. So when you get into a battle, you need to realize the same God is still the same God. Same God on the throne. But can you imagine the people of Jericho, especially those soldiers standing high on that outer wall, seeing the Israelites march around their city? I, probably, I think they had some emotions going on. They probably had a little bit of sense of awe about the whole thing. But more than that, they had a sense of horror. I mentioned last week where it said that the, their hearts were melting in fear because they had heard what Joshua and his armies through the power of God had done to other enemies across on the other side of the river. So their hearts were melting in fear. In fear. <laughs> Walking around that city every day watching, looking up the soldiers, them looking down at them, I would imagine the soldiers on the top said, this is a little creepy. This is a little bit crazy. Kind of reminds me of that movie, The Purge. Anybody ever heard of that or saw that movie where the people locked themselves in a house? There are people outside trying to get in, and they knew eventually they're going to get in. Jericho, I believe, were, they were terrified that eventually they could see them being overtaken. But have you ever stopped to think how crazy the Israelites probably thought this whole plan was? How crazy how they felt about it? Think about it. For six days, they were sitting ducks. For six days, they were marching around this walled city with those soldiers high on the wall with their weapons in hand, and I believe it was only by the power of God and the protection of God that spared them from being taken out. But for six days, they continued to do something, marching around with only horns in their hands that made no sense at all. And for six days of silent marching, guess what? They got a good glimpse of those impenetrable walls, those walls that were still standing. I believe God allowed that whole thing to help them realize this battle is a whole lot bigger than I am. I believe God will allow you to get in situations where there, it gets so bad that you realize this battle is a whole lot bigger than I am. This whole, this whole battle is going to take a strength bigger than I am. But look how the story goes on. On the seventh day, Joshua told them to march around the city seven times instead of just once. Seven times, and on the seventh time, the priests were to sound their trumpets. And then get this, part of his military plan was shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Then in verse 25, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, then they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. So when those walls fell, the armies of God marched straight in and they wiped out everybody and everything except for Rahab and her family. Remember that last week? Verse 25, but Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. She was converted. But look in verse 17, God tells Joshua, the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. You know, there are a lot of people that question this whole battle 
and how it played out. They've got questions about it mainly because they can't see how in the world that these massive walls could come down with just people marching around the city, uh, blowing their trumpets and yelling. They can't see how that could happen. Well, it didn't happen that way. I say that, it wasn't their yelling, it wasn't their horn blowing, it wasn't their marching that brought down the walls, it was their obedience that brought down the walls. It was their obedience to the plan that God had laid out for them, as ridiculous as it seemed, that brought down the walls. That was the only way it was going to work. With all the strength that they could have mustered, it wouldn't have worked. Luke chapter 19, verse 40. This is where Jesus uh, says something that's amazing. And it has a whole lot to do with praise. He replied, I tell you that if these, he's saying his followers, keep silent or uh, don't praise me, the very stones will cry out. Remember that verse? If my people don't praise me, the very stones. He said, I'll raise praise up from these stones. I believe with the discovery of, uh, of archaeology in that ancient part of the world, I believe that the stones are crying out. I believe it's proof that the Bible is to be believed. I believe it's proof that the Bible is the word of truth. And to back that up with some facts, I've got some for you today. A lady by the name of Kathleen Kenyon is credited as being one of the most influential archaeologists of the 20th century. In her findings, she finds that Jericho was indeed this heavily fortified city that had been burned by fire. She also found bushels of grain on the site, which was consistent with the Bible's account of being a springtime battle. Then a German excavation team came in, and they found that on the north side of the city of Jericho, there was a section of wall that was still standing that didn't fall just like all the other walls fell. This portion of wall, this mud brick wall, also had evidence that houses were built up against it. Scholars believe it's quite possible, and probably possible, that this was Rahab's house, when Rahab and her family were spared. Then there's an article in the U.S. News and World Report, back in October of 1991, that told of scientists who also confirmed the biblical record, and here's a direct quote from their article. They said, the city's walls do appear to have collapsed suddenly, and the blackened timbers and stones, as well as the layer of soot dating back to 1400 B.C., all suggest that the city burned, as the Bible said it did. That's some confirmation there. And then Time Magazine did an article on the same thing, titled their article, Score One for the, ba- for the Bible. Uh, New York Times comes along and covers the same story with the title, Believer Score in Battle over the Battle of Jericho. I only brought all those things up to say that Jericho was a real place, and the Battle of Jericho was a real event, a real battle that took place. And it's backed up by facts. It's backed up by history. The fourth thing I want to talk about today. When you face your walls and your battles in your life, you have to wait on God. If you want to win the battle in your life against the foes that come against you, you've got to be a little bit patient. You've got to take a moment to wait on God. Look at what 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Not wanting anyone to die without him, but all to come to repentance. For Joshua and his army, though, I believe they were fighting a big temptation to take matters into their own hands, uh, to use brute force and brute power. You may not realize this, but when I studied it, they way outnumbered the people of Jericho. It was a 500 to 1 ratio, so the odds were in their favor. I'd never seen that before, known that before. The odds were in their favor. So no wonder they would have a temptation to take uh, matters into their own hands. 
500 to 1 odds. But I believe when I look at the whole story, the greatest battle that Joshua and his people were probably fighting was not what was going on on the outside, probably what was going on the inside. Because you realize it's hard to follow God's plan when you've got a plan of your own. It's far to, hard to follow God's plan when you've got a plan of your own. And I'm sure that they're thinking, this plan is ridiculous. It's not even working. We might as well try something of our own. Let me tell you, God has a plan for every problem. And he has the power to see that plan accomplished. But you know what our problem is? We lack patience to wait upon God. Our problem is we lack patience to wait upon God's perfect timing. God could have torn those walls down on the first day, but he didn't. You can't really rush the will of God or the plan of God. It was God's will for those walls to fall on the seventh day. If Joshua and his people would have said, hey, we're taking matters into our own hands. This isn't working, God. We've got a better plan. We can cut our time in half. They would have failed. Failed miserably. But as they waited upon the Lord, as they walked and marched in perfect obedience, God brought those walls down with just a shout. You realize that? With just a shout. A shot didn't even have to fire. An arrow didn't have to be flung. God brought the walls down with a shout. Brings me to my last point, obedience. Do you know how obedience is, how important obedience is in our walk with God? It's critical. A lot of people love recipes and methods more than they like relationship when it comes to God. They'll read a good book, they'll hear a good story, and they'll think, well, wow, they did that and God did that. I need that to be done in my life, so I'm going to do that. So they go out and they, they pick up the ram's horns. Uh, they get their buddies together. They march around the city because it worked for them. It'll surely work for us. And then it doesn't. It fails. What do they think? Well, God failed me. God left me stranded. God left me all alone. And they start blaming it on God. But let me just say this. How many times did God give his people toward that battle of Jericho? How many times did he give them instructions on that one? Tell them what to do on the battle of Jericho? Once, march around, yell, trumpets, just once. The next battle that Jericho was called, uh, Joshua was called to fight, it was an ambush situation. So God changed it all up. God changed his entire game plan. If they would have done the same thing that God had instructed them to do to fight the next battle that they did to fight Jericho, they would have failed. And I believe if they'd have kept up that course, they'd have never won another victory. What am I saying? When you're trying to live by somebody else's recipes or methods, you're going to fail. You're going to miss out. Or if you just try to keep doing what you've always done, you're going to fail. I believe the key is staying in a continual relationship with God. And that means you're staying in continual communication with God. I believe you and I as followers of Christ need a fresh word from God every day. We don't take the time to get it, but it's there. We need a fresh word from God. We need fresh instructions from God so we can keep listening, so we can keep worshiping, so we can keep removing those things in our lives that would hinder us from hearing God's battle plan for our life. God has a plan for every problem. And I think our biggest issue is we keep looking for that magic bullet that worked yesterday. We keep looking for that magic bullet that worked for someone else yesterday. I believe we've got to take the time to stop Slow things down and listen for God. Listen to His voice. We've got to be quiet. I love that scripture, be still and know that He is God. We need to realize that God's timing is perfect. God's got to be number one priority. When you face the walls in your life, the Jerichos in your life, we need to always step back and ask and give God time to talk. Give God time to communicate. 
and asking God, is there something I'm missing? Is there some uh, other instructions I need so I can get over this battle or through this battle? Instead of using yesterday's methods or yesterday's recipes that don't work anyway. The whole reason God does this is because He loves you. And the whole reason He does this is because He doesn't want to give you way too much information at once because He wants you to depend upon Him. He wants you to trust Him and be in relationship for, with Him every day. But definitely, God wants to bring your walls down. If you've got some walls in your life today, you look at those walls and know that God is able to bring those walls down to give you victory. But sometimes He'll change up the game plan. Don't always count on the same game plan working because it won't. And I'll say this as I get ready to close. Israel didn't rely on their own scheming, their mental capacity, their smartness. Israel didn't rely, uh, depend on their own physical strength. They didn't even depend on worldly methods. They depended on God. They depended on their trust in the Lord. Not in man, but in God. So when you're facing your battle, guess what? We've got to do the same. If you want to have victory in your life, victory over the battles in your life, you've got to do the same. I've got to do the same. We've got to trust in God, even as ridiculous as that plan may sound. In the end, it's going to work. Could you stand to your feet this morning? How many believe that this morning? You've been way too quiet this morning. I believe you ought to give God a hand clap of praise. Because I believe some walls are going to come down in your lives. As you apply the story of Joshua and what they faced, the worst battle of all was the start, battle they started with. But they followed God's plan. And God's strength was made perfect in their weakness. God's plan will come to pass when we trust Him. Could you bow your hearts in prayer? Father God, help us as we face these walls that are in front of us every day. Help us to be men and women who grow in the understanding of Your timing, who grow in the understanding of Your priorities. Help us to know, Lord God, how to stop, slow things down, and listen for Your instructions. I believe there are people in this place today that are in relationships that are walls that need to fall. Some of you have financial walls that need to come down. Some of you have walls of anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. Some of you here today need to forgive someone who has 100% wronged you. You've done nothing wrong. They've done it all wrong. And I don't understand why forgiving that person that hurts you, as God says, allows you to have peace instead of anger and bitterness, but it does. God's, in God's economy, it works that way. God's plans, the Bible says, are not our plans. God's ways are not our ways. But I guarantee if you'll listen, you'll listen and obey Him. And even when it sounds ridiculous and doesn't make any sense, He'll give you the victory in your life. I challenge you today to start looking past the weirdness of the plan, the uh, strangeness of what God is asking you to do, and trust in Him. Lord, help us to set our plans aside and help us to follow Your plans so that we can see your healing take place in all those areas of our lives, and so that we can win the victories over the battles that we face each day in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to depend upon you, to know that no matter what the odds, Lord God, you're still God on the throne. I thank you for the victories that are out ahead of this congregation. I thank you for victories that have taken place today because they've heard the word, and the word has set them free. I thank you for the victories over the battles that we'll face tomorrow because you're still the same God today and forever. We give you thanks, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. If you believe that, say amen with me. Amen. amen. God bless you all.